We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I am the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And we're going to talk about uh, recruiting. And obviously, we're going to talk about the commitment of Darren Agu to Notre Dame. This is a big one for the Fighting Irish. And look, here, here's, here's the deal. You guys know me well enough to know by now that recruiting rankings don't matter to me outside of they can create some good buzz. I care about the film. And l- listen to me. when If you are someone obsessed with recruiting rankings, I understand you are not going to like the pickup of Darren Agu for Notre Dame. But if you are someone who likes talent and you like tools and you like upside like I do and you are more impressed with film than recruiting rankings, this is your kind of guy. Uh, this is a big, big pickup. Uh, for Notre Dame. And look, there's a reason Notre Dame and Alabama offered this kid back to back. This is a kid who's been playing football. I'm still trying to find out if it's one or two years. I've heard last year was his first year. I've heard last year was only his second year. This is a kid who was, who grew up in England, uh, played soccer, uh, and is not a guy that's been playing football his whole life, which would explain the recruiting rankings. But there's a reason that Notre Dame, despite the fact they were in very good shape with guys like DJ Wesselak and are recruiting plenty of other highly ranked defensive ends, saw this kid, offered this kid, and picked this kid up. This is an important commitment for Notre Dame because this is the kind of guy that if he pans out, again, there's, there's a floor there that you have to worry about with a guy that hasn't played football for very long. But if he pans out, He's got a chance to be an impact player. And I said very similar things about Isaiah Foskey when Notre Dame signed him, and he wasn't a very highly ranked guy. This is a kid that, to me, has a chance to be very, very good. So we're going to talk a little bit about what 
uh, he brings to the table and talk about his game, talk about how he fits, talk about how what this does for the class, and talk about what's next. And of course, uh, we're going to answer your questions if you um, if you have any. So we're going to um, we're going to get started on that now and and get into it. So let's first begin by talking about what does this mean for Notre Dame? How does this this impact the class from a, a number standpoint? So number one, Notre Dame needed three ends in this class. Uh, this gives them a third end. So they could stop recruiting ends in this class and move on. So I, I, I think that this is a situation where they're going to continue to recruit top ends. I believe num- Notre Dame uh, will continue to recruit Cyrus Moss. There's a chance they still recruit DJ Wesselak. Um, we kind of get into that here in a little bit, but this is a this is a situation where you're now landing a third end. And when you look at what Aiden Gabera's done, uh, how he's just blown up as a as a junior, well, Notre Dame took him when he was a pretty relatively low ranked three star. I guarantee you that doesn't last very long. Uh, so this gives you a third end. And here's the other thing: to me, he is a pure viper. Now, I know he's big. He's 6'6", 230. And uh, that's kind of that size where you maybe think that guy's a big end. But when you watch the film, and we're going to watch some film here in a little bit uh, of Darren Agu, this is a kid that to me is a viper. He plays tight end. He could be a Division One tight end. He's 6'6", 230. Yes, that's big. Incredibly long arms. Great reach. Pretty powerful hands for a younger guy that hasn't played football very long. His technique needs work. But this is a guy that you'll see him in space. He catches the ball well as a tight end. He covers. Uh, he covers a ton of ground. He's a guy that I think can be a guy that could line up against a tight end and run with them. He's got some Dalen Hayes to his game. So he, to me, is a pure viper. None of the other ends that they were on, other than Cyrus Moss, to me, are pure vipers. Aiden Gabera is sort of a hybrid guy. He can play both. Uh, big end, maybe he can play Viper, but as a Viper, Aiden Gabera is more of a Julian Aquara type of Viper. He's not going to drop into coverage a ton. And Julian Aquara, you know, he had to pick against Michigan in 2018, but he rarely dropped into coverage. That's not his game. Uh, Aiden Gabera is not a guy that I would necessarily drop into coverage a lot. And of course, Tyson Ford's a power end. Uh, DJ Wesselak, I viewed more as a power end. And when we talked about him recently, I was I was initially hesitant to Notre Dame push DJ Wesselak because I didn't think he was a Viper. Then when Aiden Gabera had did as well as he did, I thought he had a chance to play Viper, so I felt better about DJ Weslack being another commitment. But this kid can flat out play Viper. And, and so that's why I like this pickup so much. So he fits that third position, but he gives you some a different type of player than you already have in Tyson Ford. There's Tyson Ford, who's a power end. There's now Devin Agu, Darren Agu, who is a Viper and then there's Aiden Gabera, who kind of can do both. And then, of course, Devin or Tyson Ford could potentially move inside. So this they've now met their needs. And because Gabera and, and Agu are three-star recruits, there's going to be some. I've already seen responses like this on Twitter of, oh, this isn't how you win and all these types of things. And what I don't care about all that. I mean, you probably said the same thing when Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa committed and they beat Michigan State and Virginia for him. This is a kid Alabama wanted. And if Notre Dame and Alabama, and look, no, every defensive end to start for Notre Dame for the last three years is now in the NFL, or will be as of the end of this month, because D- Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandizi are going to get drafted. This kid is, is to me, a, a big-time, big-time prospect. And when you talk about talent and film, so this is a really, really big pickup for Notre Dame. Now, 
when you look at the fit, let's slide into some film. Okay, so let's let's get into the film room here and and talk about uh, Devin uh, Darren Agu. I don't know why I keep saying Devin Darren Agu. Again, this is a big impact. So first thing you're going to notice as we pop this film in is you're going to see a big kid. This is a kid that is every bit of six foot. He's every bit of 225, 230. He is up here on the top of the screen. You see him come off the edge. Now then that first clip, you can see what I'm talking about, how he needs work with his hands. Okay. So you're going to watch. He's late bringing his hands. So it kind of lets the guy get into his body, but he quickly dismisses him, gets around at a quarterback, closes quickly. It's a good start. I believe this was the state championship game. There's a playoff game. Here's the bottom of the screen. You see, again, late with his hands, not really sudden with his hands, but it's not a power thing. It's just a technique thing, which it can. It's going to happen. But watch this closing speed. Watch him disengage and just look how quick his feet are getting out to the outside. That's a 6'6", 230-pound kid coming off the end like that. This is a kid that can flat out move. Here's an M now playing in space, rushing the quarterback, quickly closing, very good instincts. I think that's the thing that probably surprised me the most. He's got pretty good instincts for a kid that hasn't been playing football very long. Um, so, so again, I really like this pickup for Notre Dame. I think this kid's got a lot of tools. You see him coming off of the end here as a pass rusher. Really nice burst. His burst is inconsistent, in my opinion. Uh, he doesn't always show it, but when he does show it, it's it's really, really impressive. Um, here's some more clips. He's on the top of the screen. You see those kind of powerful hands. Again, doesn't really know how to use him yet. Really quick off the ball. Look how quickly he gets inside uh, here on this clip. He just shoots that gap, quick, quickly closes and gets to the football. This is an impressive play right here. I really like this kid. A lot of tools to work with. A lot of tools to work with. Look at that redirect right there. Again, this is a 6'6", 230-pound kid. He's coming in, plants, quickly gets to the quarterback, cuts again, Really like it. So one of the things I look for with a defensive end that can play Viper is you need to have lateral quickness and change of direction ability. And and when you watch this kid play, he shows really nice feet. He you, here's some clips of him as tight end. He shows the ability to me uh, to 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 change direction with ease. He gets off the ground easily. He can plant and drive with some explosiveness. Changes directions well. Uh, those are things you can all teach. And as Michael Huff says down here. Looks long, technique will come. Amen. That's why Mike Elson makes a lot of money, is to teach kids how to play the game. What you can't teach is 6'6", 230, great balance, quick feet, athleticism. Look how look how loose his hips are rare. This may not seem like an important catch to you, but watch how quickly and loose. Here he is playing here, right, tight end of the right. Look how easily he flips his hips back to the football. That is big time right there. Big time right there. So that's a huge, huge pickup right there. I mean... That's I mean that's tight end speed right there. He just does a 360 like it's likes it like it's nothing. Really impressive kid showing some athleticism there, some power as a run blocker. Um, you can see him coming here off the edge again. Nice little run play. This is a kid I like. And and here we go watching the middle field. Look at that. That's that's a Division one tight end type of play, folks. I mean that is that is big time. Here he is. He's going to run a corner route on this next play. Stretches the defense. See him now. He's at right tight end alignment. Okay. Watch this. L look at that. He's like Michael's talking about his get off. Look at that. That's a nice burst. Now his technique doesn't have a clue what he's doing, but that is a nice burst. Look at him track the ball. It's a 6'6", 230 pound defensive end. That's, that's really, that's big time right there. So this is a kid that I'm really, really fired up about. 
And, and this is a kid that to me is, is what is a coach's dream in many regards, because part of the reason he was so high on Notre Dame was he's a high academic kid. So that's a big part of this. Uh, talked to some people said he was into Vanderbilt and some other academic schools. And that's why he likes Notre Dame. And if you're someone who likes comps, you know, he's kind of got some Isaiah Foskey to him. He's got some Aaron Lynch to him, but with a better personality, uh, you know, better attitude. He's got some Dalen Hayes in his game. He just has to learn. But he also comes from a really good college program. This is a program that last year sent a wide receiver to Michigan. So this coach knows how to produce Division I talent. You give him another year with this kid, he's already going to make huge strides. So to me, I ranked him as a four-star recruit right now and put him in the two, the top 250 range when you look at just who he is right now, meaning he's got tools, and and but he's there's a lot to learn. Upside-wise, he got a five-star upside grade, and DJ Weselak did not. So to me, this is a kid that if I had to pick between those two, I'm taking Darren Agoo. Now, if you're a rankings nut, you're going to take DJ Weselak because he's a top 250 player. ESPN just put him in the top 100. But for me, I'm a film guy. I'm a tools guy, and this kid has the tools. So this is a big pickup, really big pickup for Notre Dame. Before we get into sort of what's next uh, at the position, I, I want to answer some questions. Uh, Patrick says, if you're excited about him, that's good enough for me. Thank you for all the coverage. Hey, Patrick, thank you, man. I really appreciate that uh, that uh, that chat giving right there. And, it, yeah, I'm fired up about this one. I, I really am. This kid is a really talented player, and – you know, you know, look, if they'd have waited another week or two, maybe some other schools would have got in and his recruitment would have gone on longer. But when but I've I've done some digging on this, he was a take at Alabama. Alabama looked at him the same way Notre Dame did, which is we're gonna try to steal this kid from people and they wanted to get him pretty quickly. So let's go through a couple comments and questions here, real quick. Um, yes, Thomas, this is the kid from London. Um, here we go. So this kid fits the MO of how we've recruited D-line and coached them up perfectly. I agree. You know, and and for people who are, you know, frustrated with, well, why isn't, you know, this kid's not a highly ranked recruit and all that kind of stuff. Neither was Adio Gandiji. He, he wasn't a very highly recruit, recruited kid either. Uh, he was not a guy that, in my opinion, was considered a, you know, he was, they flipped him from Western Michigan for Pete's sake. He, he definitely wasn't a highly ranked guy. So uh, Dalen Hayes was, was a highly ranked guy, but you know who else was not a highly ranked guy? Julian Aguara. He was not a top 250 recruit. Uh, Khalid Kareem was barely a top 250 recruit. And anyone that watched Notre Dame against Clemson in 2018 or Alabama this year, look, defensive line was not Notre Dame's problem. It wasn't their problem last year, and it's not. it wasn't their problem in 2018. They have other issues where they got to get better. Uh, but this kid, to me, it, it's not an issue. His talent is not an issue. Um, let's see here. got some more. Uh, here, this is a good one. Searcher Green. Someone call Stace and make sure he knows Agu is a DN. <laughs> Great response. Uh, trust me, he knows. <laughs> he knows. They're from the same state. I'm sure that uh, that Notre Dame has been on him uh, and let him know that. I think he's a guy that Notre Dame is in, in real good shape with as well. And again, it continues the trend of recruiting well in the state of Georgia. And I know this kid's not from Georgia, but the fact is he plays in Georgia, and, and that's important to me. This is a good question from Nathan Lytle. Is Agu a project for or, or a for sure eventual starter? You know, I don't know if there's such a thing as a for sure eventual starter. I mean, a lot of people probably when Byron Cowher signed with Auburn would have thought he was a for sure potential starter. I don't view him as that because there is there is work that needs to be done. I also don't consider him a project either. Like to me, Alex, Alexander Ehrensberger is a bit of a project. 
Will Schweitzer's a bit of a project for different reasons, meaning Will Schweitzer's going to need a couple years in the weight room and some different development. Those guys are projects to me. Joe Alt is a project for me. And, and I mean that in a, in a complimentary way with, you know, those high ceiling, but lower floor guys, his floor is not as low. And to, to put it to you this way. So I rank Joe Alt with a four and a half star upside. Joe Alt is the, the 2021 offensive lineman from Minnesota that Notre Dame signed. And he was a high school tight end. I gave him a four and a half star upside. So the way that I grade for those that don't know, if you're new to the channel, I give two grades. Uh, it's a different system than most use. And the first grade is sort of where do you rank right now based on your skill set? It kind of takes your floor a little bit into consideration more. And Joe Walt's a guy that needs a lot of time and development and work for you know someone who hasn't played tight end or offensive line really before. So his per current grade was lower, three and a half stars, like a top 400 to 450 type of player. But the upside of four and a half star, essentially, that's a top 50 grade. So a four and a half star to me is a guy that's going to rank somewhere from that 30 to 50 range. And, and the reason for that is it's it's there's there's you need to be able to differentiate between a four star that ranks number 50 and a four star that ranks number 250. Well, if you look at rivals, for example, and this isn't a knock on them, but it's just if a guy ranks as the 35th best player in the country, he's going to be a four star. Right. But so is the guy that ranks number 235 in the country. So it's harder to tell. This, to me, helps separate it a little bit and show that, hey, this is an elite player. He's not a five-star, but he's also not a top 250 guy. And that's the upside grade. Well, with this kid, I gave him a five-star upside grade, which means he's got elite tools, but I still graded him as a top 250 player for what he is right now. Even for just what he is right now, he is a top 250 player to me. Those guys, to me, aren't projects. Uh, so to answer your question, Nathan, because I think it is a good question, there's a lot of rawness, but his rawness is more from a technique standpoint. He's got a whole nother year of high school football and, and good coaching. Uh, from what I know about his his high school head coach and the and the staff, he's he's going to get coached up. This is a good program. He So that's going to be there. But then you've got summer camp, and then you've got fall camp, and then you've got his freshman year. He's the kind of kid that could be ready to play in sort of a Isaiah Foskey role as a freshman, you know, played the four games, didn't play a ton. And then by his redshirt freshman year, he was in the rotation. And now as a redshirt sophomore, he's going to start. I view Darren Agu as a similar type of player. So to me, that doesn't uh, quantify as a project. So I, I hope that kind of answers your question. That's how I see him. I don't view him necessarily as as either one of those things. He's not a day one starter, and he's also not a guy that's that I would view as a um, – as a, as a project. So, but again, very, very good question. Uh, a group, Michael, I like this pickup kid has a ton of upside. I agree with you. Uh, Matt Romero says Indy is going to be very fast and long in the D line. And that's what Mike Elson wants. He wants length and he wants athleticism and that's what he brings. And that's what Ada Gabera brings. Um, who cares about stars for me? It's all about the upside and the kid has an abundance. I, I agree. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is a good one. So I'm going to see the Facebook page, see who this one is. I'm trying to see, um, I can't see who that is. I don't know if who it says Facebook user. Sorry about that. Um, tried to see who that was. Don't know who that was, but anyway, this is a Facebook comment. I see potential climbing rankings like Kyle Hamilton did. Indy got a good one. I don't know if he's going to climb that high because Kyle Hamilton had a lot more film to work on. And, and, but I could, I, I think I get where you're coming from. Uh, and I could see that because number one, he's already gone to one camp where he was evaluated and apparently did really well. I wasn't there. I just reports, I think two, four, seven, I had a report on him about how good he looked at the camp. I didn't see the camp. I just saw a few clips of it. 
but he's also in an area where he's going to play good enough competition. You know, they're going to play Providence Day. Uh, Soro Sidekwanu from his brother uh, was from there, who's a starter in the ACC. Uh, there was a, a top defensive end from that area. There was a P- Porter Rooks, who was a receiver that went to. Um, uh, they had two DNs that actually went went D one recently. One went to North Carolina. I can't remember where the other one went. Porter Rooks went to NC State. He was a four star recruit from that high school. So he plays against really good competition. So if he continues to do what I think he's going to do and, and continues to growing, I think he could jump. I don't think he's going to jump all the way up to a five star like Kyle Hamilton did, but I, I do think he is he is going to be there. And here's a good question: Notre Dame two one six four. Why is he a three year starter or three star? He's a three star just because people don't know about him. Look, these rankings are coming out so soon now that they're making like, rivals in two four seven have already done rankings uh, for sophomores, and a lot of those kids haven't even didn't even play as sophomores because they're state didn't have football. So they're doing these rankings so early. If you'd have done film of him, if you'd have done a ranking of that sophomore class when he was there, he, he wasn't, I don't think there was film of him. I have yet to be able to find film of him as a sophomore. And I've had a couple of people tell me he did play as a sophomore. Uh, other people have told me he, this is his first year of football. I don't know the, the, the specific answer to that, but I, all I can tell you is I have no sophomore film of him. So I, I could find no sophomore film of him. So that in their defense, in the in the in the defense of the recruiting analysts, that there was there was not a lot of film to watch of this kid. He just kind of came on recently. A lot of college coaches just now. I can't get mad at rivals or two four seven for not knowing about this kid when Notre Dame and Alabama didn't know about this kid till April. So I think he's a late a late bloomer, but also a guy that just got out there. And then also think about this: without as many camps, without coaches being able to get on the road and go recruit, without being able to get out and go scout, without having kids come on your camp. These kids are sometimes gonna gonna fall through the cracks a little bit soon, you know, a little bit early, and then eventually you figure it out. And this is why it's so important to have a great back office led by Bill Reese because they can they can find these guys and recruit these guys. Um, here we go, uh, Garth Cassidy, Brian. Did you hear Alt's father say Joe is six seven and over three hundred pounds? I'd heard that. If that's true, that's great. I am a little nervous about that, to be completely honest with you. I, I'm nervous because I don't want to see him put on too much weight too quickly. And appreciate the the super chat, man. I really appreciate that very much, Garth. But that's a bit of a concern for me. So I'm going to want to see him move when he gets here this summer and into fall camp because I, I love his upside. I really do. I, I would take a Joe Alt type of kid every year at Notre Dame. Um, and look, here's the thing that makes me feel a little bit better than I would otherwise, Garth. That is, his dad did play an offensive line in, in college. He played at Iowa. He was another tight end that went to Iowa and became an offensive lineman. So I would imagine he has a better understanding than your average father of good weight versus bad weight. So I'm going to give his dad the benefit of the doubt there and say that he he probably has an idea that his son is putting on good weight. And I hope that's true because I don't want to see Joe lose his foot quickness. I don't want to see him lose his athleticism. If he can, if he can play 300 pounds and keep the athleticism he showed on film, that's where that four and a half star upside comes from. And I'm really excited about what he can do. But he is a project. I think he is a guy that will need. He will need some time. All right, KMA Preston. Does this mean we are out on DJ Wesolak? So we'll kind of we'll get into this a little bit more overall big picture, but let's address the DJ Wesolak situation now. My understanding is that this does not mean that Notre Dame is going to stop recruiting DJ Wesolak. There is some uncertainty about whether or not he would be a guy they would take right now, and I'm still trying to find the answer to that. I'm not sure he would be. I think they have to figure out some other things first. Um, before they make that move. And I think the fact that he's not in any, any hurry to commit, it would seem, 
uh, would only slow that down or uh, it would enable Notre Dame to, to slow it down, but still stay on him until they make their final decision. So uh, this was a decision where from, from everything I've heard and my own opinion, this was not a situation of they took this kid because they were worried about getting DJ Wesselak. This is a kid they took because they watched the film. They evaluated him as a person. They looked at the grades. They did the background checks. And this is a kid that they said, this kid's just too good not to take. The ceiling is too high. And anyone that's followed Notre Dame recruiting the last four or five years knows this is the kind of kid Mike Elston loves. It's, you know, not necessarily from a ranking standpoint, but just long, athletic, all that kind of – those are what you want. Paul Tutko, he was recruited by Saban same day as Notre Dame offered, so it's a, it's a pretty awesome we got him. I absolutely agree. Alabama wanted him. Alabama wanted him. KMA says, excited about this one. Elson has proven track record with development, and this kid isn't your typical three-star. He hasn't played 11-on-11 football for that long and had an impressive offer sheet. Agree with you. I think you're on it. Um, so to quote you, does he move the needle? To me, he is a gap closer. Yes, he is a gap closer, Dylan. Not so much from a ranking standpoint, obviously, but if he is what I think he can be, and again, I, I could be wrong on this, but if he is what I think he could be, 6'6", he's got the body to add at least, at least 15, 20 pounds of good muscle. If you see pictures of him, he's not a super defined kid yet. There's a lot of room for him to, to reshape the body, get to 250 plus, and be more explosive athletically. If he hasn't been playing football that long, that means he hasn't been in football workouts that long. And football workouts are different than soccer workouts. One is is about quickness and agility and endurance. The other one is about power and explosiveness. So that's another reason I get excited about this kid because I'm like, if the longer he's in a weight room, a, a weight room designed towards building that power and explosiveness, the more powerful and explosive he's going to get. So that's what I love about the ceiling. And if he is just close to the player that I think it could be. He's a, he's a difference maker. He's a 10 plus sack guy. Will he get there? I don't know, but he certainly has a chance to be there. And, and when you compare him to a guy like Eshaq Williams, remember Eshaq was a five-star player. Eshaq was a very explosive guy off the edge, but Eshaq was not a real elusive guy. He didn't have that lateral quickness, that agility that you see from this kid. And so that's why I say this kid to me has a, a an incredibly high ceiling. Michael says, uh, coach is coach. They can coach him up from scratch. Elson must be in heaven. They're pretty fired up about it, I would imagine. Um, here we go. KMA asks, uh, do you think Gabera and Agu could end up as four stars? Well, they're already four stars for me. Uh, I don't, I'm not involved in the recruiting process, the recruiting rankings process at 247 and rivals. I'm sure they'll have thoughts and talks about it, especially if he's able to get out to some camps this off, some more camps this offseason. But he, they're already four stars for me. I, I ranked him as a four star the first time I saw him. Uh, well, not the first time I saw him. The first time I evaluated him, like actually sat him down, broke through the film, went through the film, did the grades, all that kind of stuff. I graded him as a four star top two fifty guy. Gabera originally was a a three and a half star guy with a four and a half star upside. Now when I watch Aiden, I see a, a four star guy. I see a top 200 recruit already and I may be underselling it. He was outstanding as a junior. And and Chantilly plays against really good Northern Virginia competition. If you're from Virginia, you know 20 years ago the best talent, like the vast majority of the best talent was down in the Southeast Richmond and all the way down to Tidewater. The last 10 to 15 years Northern Virginia has exploded from a population standpoint. The, the school talent's gotten better. 
The programs are better, and they're producing way more Division One talent. And so he plays against very good competition. And it started to get there around 04, 05 when I was coaching at Christopher Newport. We started recruiting Northern Virginia more. Uh, I was the recruiting coordinator on the staff, and, and I had our best recruiter go there, Justin Lustick, who's now uh, the special teams coach uh, at Vanderbilt. Clark Lee just hired him. So, hey, we sent him up there because he was our best recruiter uh, and and – because we saw the talent was coming and it's exploded in the last decade. All right. Thank you, Frank. I, I appreciate your trust. I think you should be happy. I, I think this is um this is a big pickup for Notre Dame. Uh Michael Huff, you think maybe another inside guy? I think they definitely want at least one more inside guy. Anthony Lucas is clearly the the, the top guy. Uh Larry, thank welcome from Texas. This is definitely great news for Notre Dame. Um uh, Thomas, there's a lot of good D-line coaches. I think I think Larry Johnson's been great at that. He's developed some under under the radar kids, especially when he's at Penn State. You know, he recruits big time kids now and turns them out. Uh, I'd have to go through it. There's some really good programs that do a great job of, of evaluating defensive linemen. But I think what Mike Elson has done the last three four years at Notre Dame has really elevated his his reputation. I mean, the the, the proof is in the pudding, right? And, and it's not, it's not, it's one thing to have like that lucky year where you have Khalid Kareem and Julian Aguara and Jerry Tillery all kind of at once, but then they lose those guys and they just don't miss a beat. And to me, that's the mark of a good coach. Can you lose talented players and then just keep replacing them with other guys that you've, you've had to, you've had to do. So uh, John Long says getting to the point of setting up the post Kelly era for success on the defensive side. Absolutely agree absolutely agree but hey they keep recruiting guys like that this and coach kelly may not want to leave especially if the offense uh can can pick things up so uh tyler al manny uh, great pickup just need to close a dt and linebacker agree completely uh the big thing for me is defensive tackle you got to get anthony lucas that's a big one for me uh he is a he is a game changer big time um let's see if we got any more uh I would say that Thomas is pretty fired. Tommy Thomas Leonard's pretty fired up about this uh, about this pickup. So here we go. Uh, KMA says, "Do you think it's likely our 2022 DN recruits eventually end up starting over the 2021 class?" It's certainly possible. I mean, look, that's what you want to do, right? Whether it's coaching at the Division three level where I coached, or the one AA level where I coached, or recruiting at Notre Dame and Alabama. The one constant is, as you talk to every program, is we're going to try to recruit better players this year than we recruited last year. And then next year, we're going to try to recruit better players than we did this year. And, and I think that's certainly the key. The reason I think in this instance that you could definitely see that is I think that I believe, my opinion, this is just my evaluation. I, I could be wrong. My evaluation is that the players in the 22 class, so that's Tyson Ford, Aiden Gabera, and Darren Agu have much higher ceilings than the players in last year's class. I think there's more projection. There's more time needed. There's more project niche uh, that, to the to the question that that uh, Nathan asked earlier. So if those guys need time to develop, and these guys are more ready to play early, that's how they could end up getting passed up. Having said that. The nice thing about what Notre Dame does is they play so many players that we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Both classes could end up littering the depth chart and giving you great, great versatility. And, and that's what I like too, is there's some versatility in these classes too. It's not but a bunch of guys that can have to play the same position. You can use, in some scenarios, you could see scenarios in which three of these guys are on the field. So like, you know, let's say Tyson Ford or Gabert is the big end and you've got Darren Agu as the Viper. I mean, Will Schweitzer has the kind of athleticism. He played off-ball linebacker in high school. You could see a scenario in which they want to kind of play some 3-4 stuff. Because Agu is so big and Tyson Ford is so big, you could do some things with them where you could have three ends on the field. Not a ton, but it could be part of your package, and it would give you a little something to, to throw at teams. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Um, Emmanuel Butler, do you think a goose still needs development because he hasn't played 11 man ball that? Yeah, that's exactly it, Emmanuel. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. What I like, however, is there's some instincts there. As you saw in the highlights, and there's a couple games, uh, televised games from him from high school that if you go, if you go on to YouTube, you can find. So you get to see, you know, every down play. And what you see is a guy that has instincts, a guy that has the athleticism, but just that every down consistency isn't there. He's got strong, long hands, but he doesn't know how to use them yet. Uh, his foot, he's got great foot agility and quickness and balance, but his footwork isn't always there. His consistency from an explosiveness off the line standpoint is always there. Sometimes he comes off the line and you can kind of tell he's thinking a little bit. That just comes from not playing football a whole lot. So that's where I mean by the development is still needed. But to me, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with this. Let me know in, in the chat. But to me, if if a kid's going to lack something, that's what I want him to lack. Because, again, when, when I recruited receivers or quarterbacks or running backs, the positions I coach, I never really cared about technique. Quarterback a little bit, but receiver, I didn't care. I didn't care if a kid knew how to play the position. I was, does he have hands? Does he have ball skills? Is he fast? Does he have foot quickness? Can I in if is he coachable? Because my job was I had enough confidence in myself as a coach that the kid has talent. I'm gonna go coach him up. I mean, I recruited a kid from Ocean Lakes High School when I was a CNU where he caught like 10 balls the senior year because they were a pure running team. And I I went, I knew he was a track kid, so I went and watched him play. He caught one pass in the game that I saw. It was a crossing route, but I watched everything that he did during pregame. I saw agility, foot quickness. I saw ball skills. He was catching back shoulders, no problem. And you could see the skills. And even though he caught like 15 balls a senior year, you could see it. Well, we signed him. And again, it was easier at our level because we could bring in 50 kids a year. 
but he by his sophomore year, he was breaking school records in receiving because I could teach him how to play receiver. I can't teach you to be fast or tall or have balls because those things you kind of already have. And I think it's the same thing for a defensive end. Look, if a kid doesn't know how to use his hands, that's what Mike Elson gets paid a lot of money to do. Teach him. But he's got the natural tools to get there. Connor Patton asks, do you think the 2022 class will have guys who could contribute as freshmen? That would be nice considering the schedule. So obviously these are juniors. We have to see what they do as seniors. But assuming that guys continue on their normal trajectory of not big jumps, but just normal junior to senior year trajectory, yes, I do think there are guys that can contribute as freshmen. I think Tyson Ford is a player that could play as a freshman. Uh, he's I mean, he's already 6'5". He says he's 6'6", 260. I buy the 260, the 6'6", I got to see. You know, he sounds like he's grown a little bit. I, I think with what Aiden Gabera showed me, if he makes continued growth as a as a senior, he'll be a guy that could com- be hard to keep off the field. And I think Darren Agu is a guy that, as I said, could maybe have an Isaiah Foskey type of role as a freshman, where you know he plays a few games, maybe he gets in on some special teams, and then by his redshirt freshman year, he's able to play. Uh, linebackers so far of guys they've committed will be a little tougher, although I, I wouldn't be shocked if Nolan Ziegler develops to the to the level where he maybe pushes at the rover position early on. Um, and then after that, we just have to see how they fill out the class. There's other guys in the on the board that haven't committed that could be. I mean, Anthony Lucas could play as a freshman. I mean, uh, Junior Tui Alamaca could battle as a freshman if they're able to get him. There's some guys like that, but of the kids that are currently committed, uh, those are those are those are the ones that uh, I would look at. All right, here we go. Love the potential of a goose. So does the 2022 board look like? What what does so what does the 2022 board look like? Weselak Moss. I think they're both still on the board. Uh, I think R.J. Cooper is still on the board. He's the kid from Texas that just had Notre Dame in his top five because he's a guy that could eventually. I look at him and and when I see R.J. Cooper, I see Capron Lewis Moore. I see a guy that's 240 now, but with a big frame, can add a lot of weight that could eventually be a three technique. So I think he's a guy you still keep on the board for that reason. Although I think Stanford and a couple other schools might be a little higher, but Notre Dame is in a position there. Wesselak, we talked a little bit about earlier. Moss, they're going to continue to recruit Cyrus Moss until he says stop calling or he commit or he signs somewhere else. I mean, they understand he's too good to do that. And I and I think they're going to stay on him unless he just says, Hey, coach, I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, see, here you go. Uh, yeah. Amen, Michael. Absolutely. Now go get Anthony Lucas. Um, here we go. David Knight asks, Brian, does this seem like Notre Dame has more than turned the corner on recruiting? I agree. Star ratings do not tell the story, but the performance is there. Uh, turned the corner in regards to their recruiting on the level of Alabama and Ohio state and in those programs. No, but are they starting to turn the corner? Yes, I believe so. But that's been going on at DN for a couple years now. Uh, so, you know, when you look at like Isaiah Foskey, he was not a guy that was ranked as high as some other players, but I, I think he's got elite tools and I think they're starting to turn the corner at some positions. They've already turned the corner, but overall, um, you know, it's, it, th- there's a lot of room to work. So here, here we go. Um, I, <laughs> Michael Kelly ain't going nowhere until he gets a ship. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. That would be certainly great for business. Um, Sean Longacre, who do you think commits next to Notre Dame? I would guess a tight end or an offensive lineman would be my guess for who the next guys are. Um, here we go. Uh, if you had to, how would you rank our current 2020 DN, DN commits? So 
Uh, KMA, I have not ranked them yet. Uh, I in, in as far as put them side by side numbers wise, I'd, I'd have Tyson Ford. This is I think so. I may change it as I go back and, and look at the numbers because I each do each guy individually. I'm going to do a big board soon, uh, but uh, so that'll come out eventually. But if I'm correct on what I believe my grades were, it would be uh, it would be Ford one. It would be just as far as where they are right now. Ford one. It would be. Gabera two, and then Agu would be three because he graded out way lower on the technique scale because there's like eight different categories. So like uh, what I try to do is take at least two to three uh, category, point categories that fit into different traits. So there's a couple about size, strength, body, athlete, you know, that kind of thing. Then there's a couple categories about athleticism, speed, those type of things. Then there's technical categories. And then there's the intangibles, you know, production, injury, history, things like that. So I try to balance it so you're you're not overrating size or underrating athleticism or overrating athleticism and underrating tech, lack of technique those kind of things. So when I when I look at it, I see a guy to me that he graded out much lower in the technical category. So that's why his grade now is lower than Aiden Gabara, but his upside grade to me is in in my view, he's got the highest ceiling of all three of the defensive linemen, and that includes Tyson Ford. So I think that tells you a little bit about what I think of him. Now, I could be wrong. We'll see over the next three, four years. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of how I see it. I, I would have to agree with you. I, I think he's probably very happy about that. So let's wrap this up. And, and if you guys have more questions, throw them in there. Guys and gals have more questions, throw them in there. I'll ask them. I'll, I'll ask them as we go. But let's talk a little bit more specifically about what's next when it comes to defensive line recruiting for Notre Dame. So there's really three avenues they could go. One is they could say, hey, look, let's figure out ways to make room and just load up in this class. So let's go after DJ Wezilak. Let's go after Ernest uh, Cooper. Let's go after you know, Caleb Artis and Donovan Heinish and Anthony Lucas and try to sign three more guys. Um, and so you you could see that and and say, okay, yes, there's merit to that. There's some good players in that group. Uh, that's one way they could go. And, and I would get that. Um, there's another way is to say, hey, look, we like where we are now. There's a couple guys we're looking for at the defensive end. Defensive tackle, they're not done yet. But defensive end, you, hey, look, we like DJ Weselak. We like RJ Cooper. We like Danny Dennis Sutton. Uh, and of course, Cyrus Moss. And so we're going to kill recruit those guys and, and see how it plays out. But you know, we're going to really focus on the higher ceiling guys, Danny Dennis Sutton and Cyrus Moss. That's another way they could go. And if we get one of those five stars, that's great. If not, we're okay. The third one is they could just say, hey, look, we like Cyrus Moss a lot, but we really like the guys we have. And there are some absolute studs already on the board in 2023. Elston, Mike Elson has done as good of a job as I think you could imagine a Notre Dame coach getting involved in the top 2023 ends. There's Keon Keeley. Uh, there's a kid, I think his last name, I think it's Shantamian Bradley. I can't remember his last name. I'd have to look it up. I apologize. I shouldn't have brought him up if I couldn't remember his name. But I watched his film last night, and I'm like, good Lord, this explosiveness just burst off the edge. They're going after a lot of top-ranked guys. Vic Burley from Georgia. There's so many big name guys that Notre Dame is is not only recruiting and offering, but guys that are hearing from Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman, Mike Elston. They're hearing from the whole staff. 2023 kids, sophomores. 
I've never seen Notre Dame get started this early. And I think Mike Elson gets a lot of credit for that overall as the recruiting coordinator. I think this is a big push that he is going for. And, and Coach Kelly's getting involved. And and you're, it's, it's great because th- you're not only getting your name in them and kids are giving you the obligatory Notre Dame, but kids are mentioning Notre Dame a lot of times without even being asked. That is really one of the tells for me that says, hey, this is a kid that Notre Dame is real serious about. Uh, real quick, Garth Casty says, I heard Elson talk that Jason Onye is already at 285 pounds. Do you think he moves inside or with Freeman? Three-man look to keep him at big end. I, I think that I would start him off. We talked a little bit about this earlier. I think I would start him off at big end, see if he can play with that size. Maybe you drop five or ten pounds off of him. That's the other thing they could do. I'd start him there and then see if he outgrows it. I just think if he's already 285, he's going to outgrow it because he has a great frame we talked a little bit about that when he signed that, you know, he may outgrow the position and that could also factor into why they're recruiting so many big end type players in this class. Cause they may already see him outgrowing that. And then now he becomes a quick penetrating three technique, but back to the, the 2023, if I had to pick, and if it was up to me and it's not, so I'm just giving you my opinion, it was up to me. I'd say, yeah, recruit the stars, recruit Cyrus Moss, recruit Danny Dennis Sutton, if you want to, but what I would do if I was Notre Dame is I would say, now you put all your 2022 efforts on the defensive line on Anthony Lucas. Every 2022 phone call is either going to be towards keeping the kids in the class or getting Anthony Lucas. That is such an important recruit for Notre Dame in this class. And then the rest of your time, I'm putting on the 2023 kids. Because what that does is, number one, some of the kids in the 2023 class are already, to me, better players than some of the guys on the board for Notre Dame uh, in, in good players. I mean, there are some really outstanding 2023 defensive ends. It is it is a really impressive year already as sophomores uh, for the defensive end class. So I would like to see them uh, really make a push for that class. Keep the guys you have now. Love the group you have now. Make sure they don't lose. Focus on the D tackles, Anthony Lucas, Caleb Artis. Uh, land the studs there. And then if Cyrus Moss is still interested, that's great. But I'm focusing on Lucas at tackle and then the 2023 kids. And what that also does is it kind of it kind of spread, it balances your classes out a little bit more where you're not in situations where you sign like five ends or four ends in one class, and then you only get like one or two the next year. You start getting in this healthy ro- uh, rotation of three, 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 and then every year four, because, you know, maybe a guy or two leaves early or transfers. But you get that really healthy number of three. And then occasionally, if you get two high, uh, high talent guys, you only bring in two and then use that somewhere else. And, and so that's why I really like the, 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 the idea of focus on next year's class. I don't think I would have felt that way if they would have got DJ Weselak. I like DJ Weselak. He's a top 250 player, but the ceiling isn't there. The reason I say that now is because I see Agu and I see Tyson Ford and I see five-star upside. I see Aiden Gabera, who, if he can do as a senior what he did as a junior, I may jump his upside up to that. But I'm not there yet. I'm trying to be reserved. It may not sound like it because I've given two of those guys five stars. But I try to be reserved about giving up that kind of upside. So to me, that's what I would do. That's where my focus would be uh, on that. Let's see. We've got a couple more questions. Uh, Co. uh, Co Cronin. You know, it's a good Friday when you get to listen to Brian talk about a commitment. Love listening to Brian. I could listen to the topic of recruiting forever. I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, I like talking recruiting, especially when it's things I'm excited about. When it, when Notre Dame's doing good things on the recruiting trail, that gets me fired up. Um, here we go. 
Thomas Leonard, how do these DNs commit stack up to the big threes DN class? I I don't, I haven't looked at them yet. I know Alabama hasn't recruited a lot of guys. Um, I can just like historically, I'll answer this historically. To me, this is the kind of DN class that those schools are getting. Now, not from a ranking standpoint, right? They're not highly ranked guys. I'm just talking tools and talent. This is the kind of group that I look at and say, if, if, Ford, Gabera, and Agu develop the way I think they can over the next year. It's going to be clearly the second best defensive end class Notre Dame assigned and could be in contention. And this is way off. Uh, th- this is a long way away. But the best DN class Notre Dame assigned is easily the 2011 class. Stephon Tuitt, Eshaq Williams, and Aaron Lynch. And those were legitimate three five-star players. Tuitt was a beast. We all know Aaron Lynch would have been a monster if he'd have kept his head on straight, right? We all get that, right? And, and so this class has a chance to be the second best that they've landed. Uh, I think it's already on its way. If they just have normal progression, I think it will be there. And when you consider that they had the class with Aguara, Kareem, and Hayes, and Ogundiji in a class, uh, they've had some other really good defensive end classes. This has got a chance to be that kind of group. Uh, and you know, they have to to make a bigger leap than normal to be in contention with that 2011 group, but this has a chance already to be the second best DN class Notre Dame assigned. The difference, however, with some of the, the reason I like comparing it to that 2011 group, even if they don't get to that level, the thing I loved about that group is it was a huge, huge group of ends. And when I'm talking size-wise, I mean, Aaron Lynch was 6'5", 6'6", Stephon Tuitt was 6'5", 6'6", Eshack was 6'5". Great length, athleticism. I love length, especially defensive end. And Notre Dame has gotten a lot of really good guys that were either undersized. You know, uh, Julian Aguar had the length, but not the body. Dalen Hayes had the body, but not the same kind of length that Julian Aguar and Khalid Kareem had. These guys are long, very tall, long, powerful, all those kind of things. Uh, the, the, and, and that's what I like about this. And that's why I think the upside is so high. Here we go. Michael Huff. You think Kelly will get to the consistent top 10 classes? I say he's on his way with these last two classes. Last year's class was a top 10 class. No brainer. Um, the, the, the this class is it's, we got to see, uh, it's all about how you finish, right? If they don't, if they don't add, you know, the good linemen, offensive linemen, if they're not able to get a top tackle, if they don't finish a linebacker the way that I think they can, if they don't land a couple good players in the secondary, then this and, and receivers another one, then this class is going to finish, you know, in the, the 10 to 15, 12 to 15 range, which is a good class. And it's what's allowed Notre Dame to be a, a 10 and two with occasional 12 and one kind of team. If they finish the way that I hope, and, and we've talked a little, you know, get Junior Tui Alamaka and either Jalen Sneed or Sebastian Cheeks at linebacker, you know, get. Anthony Lucas, you know, get one of the top corners, even if it's just a Ben Morrison, even if you just get him, get a Jaden Mangum and a Jake Pope, one of those kind of guys at safety, uh, you know, get Xavion Bradshaw at wide receiver, get Tobias Merriweather or Tyler Morris, you know, add one of the big three running backs, get Holden Stace and Eli Raritan at tight end, you know, get get couple, one or two of the Wisconsin offensive linemen, get, get uh, Jake Taylor from Nevada. I mean, if you can close with those kind of players, even if you don't get a Zach Rice, even if you don't maybe get some of the, you know, the highly ranked guys, Kamari Rogers, Xavier Nwangpa, to me, that's still a top 10, legit top 10 class. If you're able to close now, that's going to be the key, right? The staff has put themselves in great position 
where all the dudes are on the board that if you can close at a high rate, you got a chance to be a borderline top five class. But there's a lot of closing that needs to get done before we can get there. It's exciting what they've done defensively, adding Josh Burnham, adding, uh, you know, obviously adding uh, Goo. You've added Tyson Ford since Marcus Freeman got here. You've added Aiden Bear since Marcus Freeman got here, Jaden Mickey. So they've, they've definitely taken some steps towards that. And so now the foundation is laid for that, but they still have, there's still work to be done. Uh, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling much better about that now than I was, I would say maybe a couple years ago and even maybe a couple months ago, but, but I like, I like where they're going. All right. What do you think the balance should be between targeting blue chip guys and target targeting project players? So, uh, before I answer that KMA, could you respond to me with a answer to a question that I have for you? When you talk about blue chip versus project, are you talking about like, um, I know we're not talking recruiting ranks, but are you talking about guys that are like maybe need three, four, you know, two, three, four? Are you talking about like Joe Alt type projects? Or are you talking about like Darren Agu? Because I, again, I don't can count him as a project. So if you could just kind of follow up with me on that, what you, what you det to determine is just your terms. You know, what do you consider blue chip? What do you consider a project player? Because that's going to kind of help me uh, answer that question a little bit. John Climax says, I love their recruiting approach. They're going after and staying after studs. Now get some big old gap closers at D-tackle and DBs. I love it. I love the phrase there. Uh, you were listening earlier. So, so John, I think you hit on something, right? They're going after and staying after studs. One of the criticisms that I've had of Notre Dame in recent, even recent seasons, especially defensively, was they would um, they would they would go after some, you know, offer some guys early. But then they, when they, when they were fourth or fifth, and Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama was on a kid, they'd kind of say, "Well, we're not going to get that kid," and they would kind of bow out. Now, offensively, we saw them fight a little bit more when Chip Long was here. Now they're kind of getting back to that a little bit. But defensively, it's one of those things where they just weren't willing to get in on and stay on. Because I think you said it correctly; they've always offered these kids, but it's the get it going after and then staying after those guys. That's different under. Marcus Freeman because of the collective of the staff. It's not just Marcus Freeman, but it's Marcus Freeman. It's Mike Mickens. It's Mike Elston. I think that, and now that Mike Elston has a Marcus Freeman behind him to help, I think that gives him more confidence that, Hey, I've gotten really far. This is what great recruiters do is they'll understand, Hey, I've gotten us as far as I can go with this kid to really get us from second or third to getting him. I need, I need another voice that needs to be the head coach. That needs to be a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, whatever side of the position. So in Mike Elson's case, it's having that guy in your back pocket, like a Marcus Freeman and a Brian Kelly to say, Hey, I'm going to go and help close. He has that now, which is why they had, they got Tyson for, because remember the day before Marcus Freeman was hired, Mark Tyson Ford was considered a, a lock to Oklahoma and Aiden Gabera was considered a lock to Penn state. Mike Elson had done a great job getting Notre Dame in that top two, three with both kids, but you need help. And to, it, it just, you rarely can get in a top player when it's just you. So then Marcus Freeman comes and he helps push him over the edge. And that's what you want and need to get those guys. So John, absolutely. I love, I love what they're doing. The foundation is there, but there's just a couple of, like we said, those gap closers that they need at D tackle and corner. But the great news is they're on the board. They're in the top five or six for these guys. Now it's about closing the deal. All right, so KMA responded. 
Here we go. Um, project as in, yeah, guys like all or some of our 2021 DNs. Okay. Blue chip to me would be guys like Tyson Ford, but I guess you could also include guys that you, yeah. Okay. So I, to me, projects need to be limited. So when I, I said earlier about Joe Alt, for example, Joe Alt to me is a project. I would take a Joe Alt every year, every single year. If you're going to take at least four offensive linemen, give me a Joe Alt every year. Because because in, in a four-year span, you really only need like one or t- one of them to pan out, really. What I don't want to see them do, and this was a little bit of my issue with last year's offensive line class, for example, is they took too many low-floor guys uh, or low-ceiling guys or high-floor guys. There was that, that weird combination. So you had the blue chippers, Rocco and Blake Fisher, but then there was way too many projects, I guess is the way to say it. And you kind of hope, you know, you hope Pat Coogan's better than maybe I think he is, or you hope that Joe Alt pans out. And that's too many risks. And I think that's the balance you have to weigh as a recruiting staff is if the the, the project guys, even the project guys with really high ceilings, like a Joe Alt, uh, you know, like a like we talked about last year, like a Jason Onye, like a Will Schweitzer, but they've got a lot lower floors because they have lower floors than Darren Agu. That's why I don't count Darren Agu as a project. Those guys are going to have a... a a worse hit rate. It's kind of the difference between traditional five stars or top hundred players and traditional three stars. Yes. Some of the three stars are going to pan out, but they're going to pan out at a lower rate. And again, I'm talking about a traditional, a true three star, not a guy that they missed on, but a true three star. Those guys are going to hit at a lower rate. Whereas the blue chippers, how you and I define are going to hit usually at a higher rate of maybe not. They're not studs, but they're at least going to play. They're at least going to be solid. Like Tyson Ford, for example, I view him as the floor of just a good, solid football player. He may just be a a good, solid, you know, two-year starter that's a three-year rotation guy, a a maybe a defensive end version of Myron Tungavaloa Mosa, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And then maybe one of your three-star guys pans out to be a stud, and so then you got a great rotation there. But Tyson Ford types – are going to pan out to at least be solid players more often than they just bust completely. It'll happen, but it's it's less – it doesn't happen as much about Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Those guys tend to be at least good players. And then the projects, though, some of those guys aren't going to pan out. So, like, if you give me a, a, a four-man defensive line class every year and, and there's an – you know, it, so if you're going to go three to four, three, four, so three ends one year, four the next, three, and then maybe two and then four. But those years where you're going to take a fourth end and you give me an Alexander Ahrensberger type of kid, cool. He may never play a meaningful down at Notre Dame. But if he pans out, he could be really good. So I think you have to be limited with that. I think in the position groups where you take bigger numbers every year, I'll take one a year. O-line, take one a year. Um, if you give me a high ceiling defensive lineman every year, I can live with that. Some years it's a tackle, some years it's an end. Um, the way that Notre Dame recruits corner, if you're recruiting three corners one year and one of them's a high upside project, go for it. I- I'm good with that. I don't want to see that happening a ton at receiver because I don't think it's needed at receiver. Uh, I don't want to see that happening a ton at running back because I just think those guys tend to hit at a lower rate. Um, so that's where I would focus more on the blue chipper types. And where I would where I would be more willing to take projects are with the big guys, the linemen. Uh, George Fitzpatrick's a great example. To me, he's a project because he's 255 pounds, but he's got a tremendously high ceiling. Uh, and so he may not be able to get up to 300 pounds and carry all that weight. 
So that's to me a project guy that I would say take a guy like that every year. And Joe Walt's another example. So I, I hope that answers your question, KMA. Um, that's to me how I would how I would balance balance it. Um, Michael Huff says Freeman is going to change how these guys go after and stay after talent. He's going to get top tier guys. It, it, true, but it's not just him, right? If it's just him and it's not Mike Elson putting in work and Mike Mickett's putting in work and Chris O'Leary putting in work, he's not doing it by himself. But I think having him on top has certainly helped. Um, certainly helped quite quite a bit. So here we got we got any other questions? Um, John says uh, hear a lot of good things about Nick Lazinski too on the recruiting front. Absolutely, he's going to be a full time coach here in my opinion at some power five school very. Very soon, I would think. Uh, Michael Huff, I think the difference between Freeman and other coaches here is belief. Freeman believes he can get top guys. I'm not sure other coaches had that belief. I think there's a lot to that, Michael. Chip Long was was like that. Chip Long was like Marcus Freeman. He's like, I, I don't care. Remember, so when they beat got Chris Tyree, they beat Oklahoma and Alabama. Notre Dame doesn't battle those schools for kids much, much less beat those schools. Jordan Johnson's another one. He was willing to go after top kids, and he didn't care who was recruiting you. Mike Elko had that in him. Uh, Clark Lee, I don't think was that way. He was like, uh, oh, you know, it's just development and all this other kind of stuff. So, um, and the guys that have been here a long time. And I think that's, what's kind of energized Mike Elston because he now has a coordinator that as good of a coach as Clark Lee was, he wasn't a great recruiter. He wasn't going to walk into a living room and just convince a kid to come to Notre Dame, uh, that was going to look at Alabama and Oklahoma or Texas or Ohio state. Marcus Freeman's that kind of guy. And that can energize the whole staff. And, and I think we're seeing that a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So I uh, guarantee Agu grew up playing soccer. Great sport in terms of cutting change of direction and forward. Yes, he did grow up playing soccer. That is something I have absolutely heard uh, from several people, several people. So that's it for today's show. Uh, as we wrap up, I'm going to hang on for just a second. If there's any questions y'all have, ask them now. But but just to wrap up, this is, in my opinion, a big pickup for Notre Dame. Uh I don't care about star rankings. I care about talent. I care about tools. This is a, a gap-closing potential pickup. Now, this isn't the same time kind of gap-closing pickup as Anthony Lucas would be or Kamari Rogers would be because there is some work to be done. But from an upside standpoint, if he taps into what he does, then absolutely this is the kind of kid that closes the gap, and that's going to get you excited because you can't teach what, what he can do and what he can bring to the table. So – it's a very, very exciting uh, pickup for Notre Dame, very exciting uh, opportunity for Notre Dame for what we talked about. You know, Now you can start making some decisions about focusing on a smaller group of 2022 offensive defensive linemen or focus on an, a really small group of defensive linemen. It's, it consists of like Anthony Lucas and then focusing on 2023. So Mike Elson and, and um, uh, Marcus Freeman – Really, if you think, I mean, he got hired in January. We're here at April 9th, uh, and already we're talking about three defensive ends that have four to four and a half to five star upside in, in a span of four months, like less than four months is really impressive. Uh, and it's got to get, I would imagine, I would hope it gets Notre Dame fans excited. If you're a stargazer, you're probably not fired up about this class, but if you're someone who likes talent and likes looking at film, uh, you're, you're going to be very excited about this. Um, here we go. Last question here. Uh, Ben asks, uh, who will commit next? Ben, I am not going to say who I, first of all, I don't know who the next one's going to be from a timing standpoint. Uh, but I think I could see Notre Dame closing this month on a tight end or two or an offensive lineman or two. I think those are the next positions I'm going to look at, uh, as potential guys that could pop here next. 
Uh, but this next couple months is going to be interesting to see how many kids they can get on campus uh, unofficially between now and June. And then, of course, in June, how many kids they can get on campus, period. And I'm curious to see when they start making moves on 23 on 2023 kids. That's the other thing I'm, I'm curious about. Uh, part of me thinks that they're going to focus more on 2023 because of how much effort and emphasis they're already putting on that class defensive line wise. So I, I think that we could see them. Uh, we could see them start to make a, a big push there. So that is going to do it for today's show. I really appreciate y'all joining us. I see some people that were here for the first show as well. That went two hours, and then you just stuck with us for another hour today. I'm truly humbled and, and truly appreciative of, of all y'all that are on the show every week. Um, this was a big pickup for Notre Dame. I hope y'all are excited about it. I'm certainly excited, but I love watching talented players on film. This is a big one for Notre Dame. And uh, hopefully it just kind of keeps the snow, the, the, you know, the ball rolling uh, and keeps building momentum, especially on the defensive class. And maybe the offensive staff can kind of get in the mix here relatively soon, too, uh, and start adding to it as well. So thank you all for joining us. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, uh, then hit the, no the notifications bell. So you always get reminded of when we have a show coming out um, and when we've published a show. If you are listening on a podcast, please uh Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use and give us a five-star rating. Greatly appreciate that. Helps us spread the word. And, of course, check out irishbreakdown.com for all the latest news, analysis, and updates. We will be, if you weren't on the earlier show, Eric Rudder, our new recruiting analyst, and myself will be driving to Columbus, Ohio this weekend uh, for the Under Armour camp. There's a good list of players of Notre Dame recruits that are supposed to be there. I'm hoping they all show up. Uh, so we hope to get some news and some scoop from them uh, this weekend. So hopefully in early next week, we'll have a podcast kind of breaking down some of the things that we learned from this weekend's event. And uh, we'll have some more recruiting coverage for you. So again, appreciate y'all. David, Michael, thank you guys so much for being on the show. You guys are welcome. And uh, we will talk to you guys and gals again very, very soon. So have a great, safe, awesome rest of your week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.